Well, hey, good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Alex Gowler. I'm one of the staff pastors here at Alpine, and I don't know about you, but it's been so cool over these past couple weeks to see these videos and the different ministries that are going on at Alpine, which we see as opportunities to join what God is already doing in Lake Zurich. We have the opportunity to participate in what he's doing by getting engaged with the food pantry, with the youth ministry, with the kids ministry, because God is doing things and he's invited us to be a part of it. So it's so cool to see these opportunities that we get to be a part of that God has invited us into. So very good, very good. Thank you so much for being here this morning. And for those of you that have been with us or uh, maybe you're joining us for the first time this morning, we are in the middle of a series that we're calling Always Jesus. And what we're doing is we're talking about the hope that Jesus brings to our lives. And specifically, we're talking about the four most important areas of our lives that Jesus makes an impact on. We're talking about the difference that Jesus makes at home, in our occupations, in our personal life, and in our eternal life. H-O-P-E. When we talk about hope, we're not talking about it as this optimism that the future might be better. We're not talking about wishful thinking. We're talking about this confident expectation of a better tomorrow that's based on the character and promises of God. And so last week, our lead pastor, Dave Mudd, kicked off the part of our series where we're going to be talking about the hope that Jesus brings to our personal lives. And he mentioned three different relationships that impact the amount of hope that we get to experience through our relationship with Jesus. And those three relationships kind of chart the course for the next three weeks of our series. And so I get to kick us off by talking about the first relationship that impacts the personal hope that we have. And so before we dig into that, I want to invite all of you to do a sort of thought experiment with me. I want you to imagine the following situation, all right? Put yourself in the middle of an average day for you, whatever that looks like. Maybe you're sitting in class, Maybe you're sitting at the office, maybe you're at home, maybe you're visiting someone, but whatever a typical day looks like for you, in the middle of that day, you get a text message. And the message says this, hey, I'd love to talk about us. When would be a good time? This is the DTR text. Define the relationship. This is the text that you get when somebody wants to know where is the relationship app and where is it headed? It is very important to respond appropriately to this text message. But when you look at the sender, the sender isn't your spouse. The sender isn't a boyfriend or a girlfriend. The sender is the Bible. What thoughts and feelings go through your mind in that moment? The Bible has reached out to you to talk about your relationship. You just got a text from the text. <laughs> when they post the image of this video later online, it's going to be the picture of me mid-brain explosion. <laughs> right there. That's what you're going to see when you go to watch this video. Please don't do that. But you get a text message from Scripture that says, hey, let's talk about our relationship. And some of you in that moment may be like, hey, great, I'd love to talk to the Bible about how we can keep growing in our relationship. Some of you might be like, you know, the Bible and I haven't really talked in a while, so I wonder how this is going to go. And some of you might be like, how did the Bible get my number? I didn't sign up for this. How do I opt out? Any number of thoughts and feelings might be going through your mind, but here's the thing. Each and every person in this room 
probably had to work to think about scripture in the context of a relationship. Because that's not typically how we think about the Bible or God's word. We don't think about it as something that we have a relationship with, something that we interact with. Because that's not how scripture is typically passed down to us. Whether you grew up in the church and have early memories with the Bible, or maybe you encountered the Bible later on in life, we usually inherit an understanding of Scripture as an object. It's a thing that we act on. We read it, we study it, we critique it, we defend it. We see it as an object that we interact with, but not as an opportunity for a deeper relationship. The way that Scripture is presented to us, it's presented as this artifact of religion, not an avenue for relationship. And so when we think about the Bible, we think about it as something that happened a long time ago, something that might be interesting, but it's actually pretty confusing. And we don't really see the impact that it has on our faith because we see it as this artifact of religion and not as an avenue for relationship. And when it comes to having hope in our personal life, we believe that that hope comes from an understanding of the character and promises of God which means digging into a deeper relationship with this God, getting to know who he is and what he said. And so what we need to do this morning and what I would encourage all of us to think about is this shift in perspective of seeing scripture not as an artifact of religion, but as an avenue for relationship. Because here's what Jesus said about scripture in John 5. This is John 5. 39 and 40. He was talking to some of the people of his day who knew scripture backwards and forwards, but had missed something really, really important. He says to these people, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. And yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. In John 5, here's what Jesus is saying about Scripture, is that we need to approach our relationship with Scripture through our relationship with Jesus. We need to view our relationship with Scripture through our relationship with Jesus because something fundamentally changes when we have that perspective. Rather than treating Scripture as an object or an artifact, we start to treat it as an opportunity for a deeper relationship with the God who made us, who loves us, who sent his son to die and come back to life for us. We begin to see this book as an opportunity to engage in a deeper relationship with that God. And because we start to view scripture through the lens of relationship, we start to treat it like we would treat any healthy relationship. With curiosity, with our full presence, with a focus on connection and intentional engagement. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning, is unpacking this perspective on Scripture that allows us to view Scripture through our relationship with Jesus. And when that happens, it changes how we interact with Scripture. And we become curious. We give it our full presence. We focus on connection, and we intentionally engage. And by changing this perspective on Scripture, we can start to engage in a deeper relationship with the Jesus that this book points to. And so before we go any farther, I would love for us to be able to pray together 
and ask for God's help in understanding what he wants to say to us through this book. Can we pray together? God, thank you for the privilege that we have of being here. And whatever it is that we came into this place with, the concerns, the thoughts, the distractions, everything that would try and take us away from being fully present in this moment with you, God, we pray that you would silence those things in our hearts and our minds and that we would be able to be fully here. And being here, God, we pray that you would help us to hear your voice clearly and that you would give us the courage to do absolutely anything and everything that you would have us to do when we leave this place today. We love you. And it's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Amen. So we need to view our relationship with Scripture through our relationship with Jesus. And when that happens, we, we treat our relationship with Scripture like we would treat any healthy relationship. And we approach it with curiosity, with our full presence, with a focus on connection and intentional engagement. Now, I have to say this right off the bat, that there was a lot more that we could say about Scripture this morning. If you were here two weeks ago, I got into a little bit of hot water with my boss by letting everybody out early. If I wanted to, there's lots of job security in this topic. There's lots that we could say about a theology of Scripture, about its history, about the impact that it's had on world cultures, about the impact that it's had on Western culture specifically. We could talk about the translations. We could talk about the criticisms. We could talk about the defenses. But all of those things talk about this book as an object. They're important things. They're things that we would do well to explore. But if our fundamental perspective on this book does not change from viewing it as an object to viewing it as an opportunity, then we're missing what God has for us in a relationship with him that we get to engage in through this book. And so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about four different moments in the life of Jesus that inform how we approach him and inform how we approach scripture. Four different interactions from the life of Jesus where we see what he affirmed in how people approached him in relationship. The first one of those is approaching relationship with Jesus curiously. Now, when we talk about curiosity, we're talking about the desire to understand something and ask questions and explore because of a genuine interest in this thing. Kids are awesome at this. They have so many questions. They're so new to life. And they don't have a lot of the filters that we develop as grown-ups. You can probably think of an instance where a child in your life asked a question that was completely socially unacceptable for an adult to ask, right? Parents, if you're in the room, you probably remember an experience like this with your children where you kind of died inside because of embarrassment. Kids don't have those filters. They're totally curious. And they ask these questions because they want to understand. Now, the opposite of curiosity is judgment. If curiosity is engaging in something with the desire to understand it more, then judgment is drawing conclusions about something based on limited experience and information. If you've ever made a bad first impression with someone, you know what it's like to be on the receiving end of judgment. If you've ever had a bad first impression of someone, you know what it's like to draw these conclusions based on limited experience and information. But if you've ever had the privilege of pressing into a relationship that started off with judgment and turning the corner towards curiosity, and you get to know that person more, you get to figure out what makes them tick, 
Sometimes those people become some of the most important, significant, and special people in our lives because we chose to engage with them with curiosity. Jesus loved these kind of people. He actually taught in such a way as to engage curious people. Jesus is famous for this form of teaching called the parable. And the parable is intentionally difficult to understand. Jesus presented these stories that the meaning and the purpose of them wasn't immediately available on the surface. They're things that require you to think. They require you to talk about it. They require time to process. In Mark 4, Jesus tells this story to crowds that have gathered from all around of a man who went out to sow seed in a field. And in that field were four different types of soil. And as he sowed that seed, some of the soils bore fruit and some of them didn't. And then Jesus stopped teaching. People came from miles around to hear this man teach. He tells this story that doesn't make any sense. And they have one of two options to say, that was a colossal waste of time. I'm out of here. Or to say, I don't really understand this yet. And to approach Jesus to say, what do you mean when you're teaching like this? And in Mark 4, Jesus actually celebrates those people and says, I teach like this to draw you guys out because I want to know who's interested in a deeper relationship with me and who's just coming and making judgments and leaving because they're not actually interested in me. They're interested in something else. But now that you're here, let's talk about this. Jesus taught with these parables to draw people out in curiosity. And when we approach scripture, oftentimes we approach it with a spirit of judgment. Because let's be honest, this book is weird. <laughs> There's weird stuff in this book. There's talking animals. People get swallowed by fish. There's conversations about cutting stuff that makes me really uncomfortable. <laughs> and then you get to the New Testament, and, you, and Jesus starts teaching. He starts talking about gouging out your eyes and cutting off limbs and hating your family. And it's like, what is going on? And there's one of two responses that we can have. Is to see that stuff and say, well, that's weird. Put the Bible back on the shelf. Or to say, okay, something's going on here that I don't understand. What is it? Jesus, help me to understand this and to continue to engage with our curiosity. Because when we view our relationship with Scripture through our relationship with Jesus, we'll engage curiously just like we would engage with him. But we don't just engage curiously. We engage with our full presence. And when I talk about that, I've had the privilege of speaking about this before. The idea of being fully present, I think about it as this idea of having all of you in the same place, in the same time, sharing the same moment with another person. Now, the opposite of that is distraction. If you're not fully present, you're distracted, which means that the different parts of you are in different places at the same time. So you may be physically present with another person, but emotionally, you're wrapped up in something that happened a few hours ago. Mentally, you're consumed with something that might happen in the future. But in the meantime, there's this person in front of you that desires to share their full presence with you and to share your full presence with them. Now, Jesus... There's a story about him that encapsulates this idea between presence and distraction that comes to us from Luke 10, where Jesus visits the house of two sisters, Mary 
and Martha. And this is a big deal. Jesus is coming over for dinner. Think about how you would react if Jesus came to your house for dinner. Martha reacts like a lot of us would probably react. She freaks out. She's concerned about the meal. She needs to set the table. She needs to get things clean because it's Jesus. But when he arrives, Mary makes a different choice. She decides to sit at the feet of Jesus and just be with him, to listen to him speak and to teach, to be with him and to be more like him. And the scripture tells us in Luke 10 that Martha was distracted with much serving. She's all over the place. She actually, she actually yells at Jesus a little bit and says, hey, my sister's not helping me while she's there learning from you. Can you tell her to come and give me a hand? And Jesus responds, Martha, Mary's actually chosen the better thing. And in that moment gives her an invitation to join her sister in being fully present with Jesus. Now, when we view our relationship with Scripture through our relationship with Jesus, we realize that it's important for us to be fully present when we interact with Scripture, just like in any relationship. You can think of conversations that you've probably had with someone who's on their phone where that full presence is not present. Or if you've ever been at a restaurant and there's been a TV over the person's shoulder that you're trying to have a conversation with, I'm, I'm really bad at this. It doesn't matter what's on. It could be football. I don't even watch football. And I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah. This distraction that comes up, meaningful relationships aren't built on a lack of presence. They're built on a full presence with someone else. And so Jesus gives us this opportunity to view scripture through our relationship with him and to realize that to come into these moments where we open this book or to come into those moments fully present because we believe that God is present with us. When we view our relationship with Scripture through our relationship with Jesus, we come into it curiously with our full presence and focused on connection. This is huge because there's two different types of relationships out there, connecting relationships and transactional relationships. Now, when we think about connecting relationships, these are what we would qualify as the most important relationships in our lives. When you have a connecting relationship with someone, you like to spend time with them because you like to spend time with them. You enjoy them, they're important to you. And so your relationship is made up of tons of these little insignificant, consistent, but connecting moments. The kind of stuff that you don't make movies out of or that never makes it into a book, but it's this meaningful interaction with somebody else that our most valuable relationships are made up of. Now sometimes things that are spectacular or life-changing happen, but a lot of our most important relationships are made out of these consistent moments of connection. Now, the opposite of that is the transactional relationship. And the perfect example of this is the drive-through. Here's what happens in the drive-through relationship. You pull up, the windows go down, and the conversation that happens is I don't know you, and you don't know me, but I have money, and you have food. <laughs> I give you money. You give me food, I leave, it's over. That is a transactional relationship. We do not treat the most meaningful relationships in our lives with a transactional mindset. That's not how it works. The most meaningful relationships in our lives are the connecting relationships. Jesus addresses these kind of relationships in John 6. 
John 6 is the story of Jesus feeding 5,000 people with a sack lunch. 5,000 people. So look around, take this room, times that by about 15, and imagine that someone gives everybody an all-you-can-eat buffet with a turkey sandwich and a bag of chips. Just like endless bag of chips for everyone. Jesus feeds 5,000 people with this sack lunch, and they go nuts. They want to make him the king because he's given them a free meal. Jesus says, okay, this is a little much. Shuts everything down. Sun goes down. He leaves. Crosses over to the other side of the lake. Everybody wakes up. Jesus is gone. And so they go to find him. And when they do, they're like, Jesus, where did you go? We missed you. And Jesus says, you didn't miss me. You missed the free meal. And they say, well, yeah. Can we have another one? And Jesus tells them, that what they need isn't a meal that gives them sustenance for a day. What they need is a connecting relationship with him that gives them life forever. And if they want to have that life, they need him. He gives this really hard, difficult teaching, and that day thousands of people abandoned Jesus because he didn't complete the transaction. He didn't give them what they came to seek. Twelve men stay behind. And Jesus looks at these guys and says, are you going to go too? And they say, Lord, you alone have the words of life. Where else are we going to go? When everyone else abandoned Jesus because he didn't complete the transaction, these guys stayed with him because they wanted that connection to the source of their life. And when we approach scripture, we can sometimes approach it with this transactional mindset. Like, okay, God, I'm going to give you my time and you need to give me the nugget. That one thing that's just going to keep me coasting through this day, that spiritual vitamin, that's what I need and that's what you need to give me. But here's what happens. When that doesn't happen, we become disappointed. And when that doesn't happen consistently, we become discouraged and we eventually abandon our relationship with God's word. But to have an understanding of scripture and to view scripture through our relationship with Jesus, we realize that it's not about the transaction, it's about the connection. And when we open this book, we have an opportunity to connect with the God of the universe. And a lot of times it won't be made up of these life-changing, mind-blowing experiences. It'll be these quiet, consistent, connecting moments that so many of our meaningful relationships are made up of. When we view our relationship with scripture through our relationship with Jesus, we approach it curiously, fully present, focused on that connection, and intentionally engaging. When it comes to intentional engagement, it's the idea of creating opportunities for interaction because what you're interacting with is important to you. You go out of your way to put it on your calendar, to make it a priority because it means something to you. The opposite of intentionality in engagement is intentional avoidance. Now, how many of you have gotten that text message that you didn't know how to immediately respond to? Right? Yeah. And so you just kind of let it sit for a little bit, right? Like, I'll get to that. And then an hour goes by. And a day goes by. And a week goes by. And now you have the opportunity to file this interaction in the file that I put many things in my life under the category of irredeemably awkward. 
There is no good way of getting around this. But along the way, there was a choice that was made. There was an opportunity to engage and carry the conversation on, but there was a choice that was made to avoid the interaction. Engagement, intentional engagement, is about creating opportunities to interact. Intentional avoidance is about justifying or prolonging our lack of engagement. Jesus loved to have relationship with the people that made intentional engagement a priority. In Luke 9, he has conversations with three different men about what it means to follow him. Each one of these guys has a but first. They want to follow Jesus, but first, they have to do this other thing. But first, there's something they have to take care of. There's an opportunity to engage, but a choice that is intentional about avoiding the interaction. Jesus calls these guys out. He says, look, I understand that you have a thing. Everybody has a thing. But is that thing more important than this thing? You have an opportunity. I'm not going to force you to. But I want to have a relationship with you if you want to have a relationship with me. You have the choice to engage. But realize that a choice to not engage is a choice to avoid. When we come to our relationship with this book, we have a choice. The awesome thing about having the story of God written down for us is that we don't have to depend on a special place or a special person to be able to have that sort of connection and interaction with God. This is readily accessible to us if we want it. And when we approach our relationship with Scripture through our relationship with Jesus, we realize that that intentional engagement is so important because it touches on our desire. Do we want that deeper relationship with Jesus or do we not? But it's an opportunity that is given to us every single moment of every single day because this book is available every single moment of every single day if we want it. Some of us, it's been a while or a long time since we made a decision to engage with Scripture. And now we're in the awkward phase of the relationship. We're to pick it up and admit, you know, we haven't been talking lately and I've been avoiding this interaction. And we can feel the sense of shame and the sense of, man, I I shouldn't have done that. Because we start with really high hopes, right? It's like, I'm going to read through the entire Bible this week. And I'm going to get the longest streak on the YouVersion Bible app and be the envy of all of my friends. But then when that starts to not happen, it's like, uh uh-oh, okay. But every single moment, Jesus is still there waiting for us and extending us this invitation. It's like, I know. I know things came up. But don't let those things that happened yesterday impact what happens today. I'm still here. I want a deeper relationship with you. The invitation's on the table if you want to take it. Jesus presents us this opportunity to intentionally engage every single day. But it has to come down to viewing our relationship with Scripture through our relationship with Him. Jesus said, it's this book that points to me. And if we want to have hope in our personal life, that comes from an understanding of the character and promises of God. This book is the story of the God who made the world, who loves the world, who was grieved when the world was broken, and who went on a mission to rescue it. 
who revealed himself in Jesus, who lived and died for us, came back from the dead so that we can have new life and is still on a mission to overcome evil with good. That is the story of our God in this book and all of the promises that he has for his people are in this book. But if we don't view this book through our relationship with Jesus, the one in whom every promise of God finds its yes, then it's just another book. But this is more than a book. It's an opportunity to engage in a deeper relationship with God. And so if we want that relationship, if that's part of our desire is to have this deeper relationship with God, then we put action behind it. We do something. Not because there's power in the doing, but because we're going to do on the outside what's going on on the inside. We're going to let our love and desire for Jesus come out in the things that we do and the things that we prioritize. So I want to give us four things that we can keep in mind when it comes to practicing our relationship with Jesus through our engagement in this book. The first one of those things is this. When it comes to being intentionally engaged, this is the most important of the four. Because again, that taps into our desire. We have to choose to prioritize this. And so each and every person in this room, I want to give you the 1% challenge. And here's what that is. Identify the best 1% of your day and commit that 1% to spending time engaging with Jesus by reading God's word. 1%, whether that's early in the morning, late at night, whether it's on the train, whatever it is, that 1% where you are at your best and most on and most available and most present, commit the best 1% of your day to reading God's word. Now let's do the math together. God gives us 24 hours every single day. Each one of those hours has 60 minutes. That's 1,440 minutes that we get every single day. 1% of that is 14.4 minutes. Round that up just because 15 minutes a day. Can you identify your best 15 minutes, that best 1% of your day, and commit that to engaging in your relationship with Jesus by engaging in his word? And here's what I can promise you. That if you're willing to make that commitment consistently, that 1%, you're going to start to see the rest of the 99% of your day in your life start to change. Not because there's anything magical about this book, but because this book is an avenue to relationship with the God of the universe. And the more you spend time with him, the more he starts to change you. So when we spend time in this word and we commit that time to being with him, he's there and he's ready and willing to engage with us. So take the 1% challenge. And when it comes to being fully present, Think about the idea of putting yourself on airplane mode. Now, on your phone, your device, each and every one of our devices has an airplane mode. And when you activate that mode, it shuts off your device from all of the other information and interactions and notifications that could come at it from every single source. Usually because you're flying in a steel tube in the sky, and it's kind of important to not have any radio interference happening because things can happen. You activate airplane mode. Because there's something else that's happening that's more important than all of those notifications and all of that information. What's it going to take for you to put yourself on airplane mode as you engage with God's word? 
It might require you to actually put your device on airplane mode. But if that's getting some time away from other relationships that would try and clamor for your attention, if that's carving out those moments in your day where you know you're going to be alone and uninterrupted. I know for me, journaling is huge. Every morning before I start being in the Word, I take some time to just write down, okay, here's what I'm thinking and here's what I'm feeling. I want to get it out of my head, put it on a piece of paper, and put it to the side so that I can be fully present with whatever God wants to say and to show me in those moments. So we intentionally engage, we be fully present, and we focus on connection. A lot of times when we approach God's word, we want to get that thing that's going to sustain us for the rest of the day. But we don't treat the most meaningful relationships in our life like that. We focus on connection. And so what I would say is give it time. There's another part of scripture that talks about a person who engages daily with God's word. It's Psalm 1, verses 3 and 4, and it talks about this person being like a tree that's planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Now, here's the thing about trees is that they don't bear fruit all the time. They only bear fruit in season. Now is the season for apple picking. You don't go apple picking and we don't do apple cider donuts in February because the trees aren't bearing fruit. The fruit happens at the appointed time. But here's the worst thing that you can do to a tree that doesn't have any fruit on it is to disconnect it from its source of life. Because in order to bear fruit later, it has to stay connected to the source of life. In our small interactions, those consistent, committed moments of connection with God's word, there are going to be times where we've come across something that just changes our entire perspective. But there's going to be a lot of times where it's just those quiet moments of interacting and prioritizing the relationship with Jesus. Just like we would prioritize the relationship with anyone that's significant in our lives. Sometimes we come to those life-changing moments, but a lot of times it's just those consistent moments of connection. We come to our interaction with scripture focused on connection, not the transaction that needs to be completed. And finally, when we view our relationship with scripture through our relationship with Jesus, we come curious. We engage our curiosity. This is a very weird and strange book. It is also fascinating. And not just because it's an incredible work of literature. That's true too. But because the God that it talks about, we cannot fully wrap our minds around him. There is always more of him to discover and experience. It is an adventure discovering God. And so we come to scripture curious. And at this point, we have to make a little bit of a qualifier because we have to come curious to scripture but we have to know how to engage that curiosity well. Back in the day, the problem with curiosity is that you didn't have a lot of places to activate it. There was a limited amount of information out there and it was kind of not available to everybody. There was a small group of people that had that information. Nowadays, we have the exact opposite problem. Anyone with an opinion and a computer can make their knowledge available to you for your curiosity. There's a ton of helpful stuff out there. There's a ton of unhelpful stuff out there. And so what we need is a little bit of direction to find the stuff where we can engage our curiosity in a way that's helpful and meaningful and healthy. And so for that, 
I want to point you guys to a resource that I use all the time. They're an organization out of Seattle called The Bible Project. They believe that scripture is a unified story that points to Jesus. And what they do is they make videos on YouTube, these seven to 10 minute creatively, very well done, well articulated videos that give you summaries of different books of the Bible, that trace different themes through the story of scripture and tell you how they point to Jesus. I watched one of these videos a couple years ago and said, why did I go to seminary? <laughs> Just tell people to watch the video. I mean, it's right there. They are such a phenomenal resource and a great place to start when it comes to exploring, what is this book all about? I keep hearing this word come up. What does it actually mean? They're a great place to start. Don't finish there. Don't end there. Keep pressing in with curiosity. But to have a little direction, the Bible Project is a great place to start. So when we think about this book, I don't want us to come out of here and see this book as a book. When we look at this book, I want us to see an opportunity to engage with the God of the universe. This is not an artifact of religion. This is an avenue for a deeper relationship with Jesus. And so when we leave this place, I would encourage you to view your relationship with this book through your relationship with Jesus so that you can be curious, be fully present, be focused on connection and be intentionally engaging. Not because this book because this book is about Jesus and there is more of him to discover than we've come across yet. And the hope that we have that's based on God's character and promises can only grow as we make the decision to engage with this book and grow our relationship with Jesus. And I would love to pray for us as we leave this place, because there are any number of things that are gonna happen this week that are gonna try and take us away from Jesus by taking us away from this book. And so I wanna pray for us that God protects us, that he helps us to prioritize that time, and that when we come to this book, we feel his presence with us as we give him our full presence. Can we do that together? Jesus, thank you so much for saving us, for calling us into a deeper relationship with you. God, we thank you that you caused the story of your character and your work and history and the promises that you've made to us to be written down in this book that we have access to every single day. For my brothers and sisters in this room, I pray that you would protect them against the noise and against the demands that were trying to get in the way of their relationship with you. I pray against the guilt and the shame that can come when we think about scripture and that we wouldn't see it as an object that is causing these emotions, but as an opportunity to gauge in a deeper relationship with you, I pray that you would transform our desires and that through our relationship with word, we, this word, we would find a deeper relationship with you. We love you. We want to know you more. And so we thank you for this opportunity and pray that you would help us to take it every single day. We love you, Jesus. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Guys, thanks for being here today. We love you. We will see you again next week. Have a great day.